I call your attention tonight to one verse of scripture that I want to read from Genesis uh, chapter 39 and verse 21. Genesis chapter uh, 39 and verse 21. And um, this verse is referring to uh, Joseph, who we know in the Old Testament is a type of Christ, actually, uh, betrayed by his brothers and, and uh, uh, sold. Um, Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver, Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, but there's uh, no record of Joseph's sin in the Old Testament. There's a lot of analogies between um, Joseph in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament, but uh, Joseph is, is quite a study, and we want to sort of focus on this a little bit more tonight in terms of uh, looking at his life because of this one verse that just uh, just sits um, in our hearts that we want to try to unpack uh, through the study of the Word of God tonight. And thank you for coming and being here on a Wednesday night uh, in the house of the Lord. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21 is where we're reading. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Now that right there would be a lot, right? He's with Joseph and he showed him mercy. I feel like we could live our life and just know that he's with us and, and showed us mercy. We'd be blessed of all men. But it didn't stop there. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Gave him favor. I want to talk to you for uh, just a few moments tonight. I won't hold you long. I want to talk to you about heavenly favor. Amen. Heavenly favor. We uh, started a campaign this uh, month uh, that we're just calling hashtag East Wind Gives Thanks. And um, if you can join us in, in putting that out on uh, social media or whatever you're involved in, uh, we want to be able to try to Bring to our remembrance all the things that we can give thanks to God for. And uh, we give thanks today for our veterans. Amen. Aren't you thankful for our veterans? We have a number of veterans here uh, in our church. If you're a, a veteran in the armed forces, would you stand? Isn't that awesome? Thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, your dedication. Good to see you too, Brother Morgan. God bless you. Just flying in tonight. Glad you're here. Uh, we're blessed because of um, people that have gone before us and, and paid a great price. Uh, people that have sacrificed, people that have served, and, and many that are, that are even scarred. Uh, from the, the pain and the sacrifice of those those months and years and different wars and um, I was in a little small town up in northern Georgia uh, a few weeks ago and and uh, we were just driving down the road it was just a little two-lane road and that we just started seeing all of these little white crosses with flags on them and on the on the front of the cross it just had all of the different wars and it just went on and on and on and it started in uh, World War One, and then two, and then it went down through Korea and Vietnam, and and it just was just lined up with all of these white crosses. And I got to thinking, even in that small town, here's all of these people, and um, I think it's a powerful thing for us to remember 
uh, all the blessings that we have enjoyed as a country. Instead of focused on the unrest, we can focus on all of the blessings and the favor that God has showed us as a nation. And we recognize that that favor was not given to us in a vacuum. It's because of people that sacrificed and people that have done uh, tremendous things to, uh, to put their own personal safety aside and to, and to fight for a greater cause. And uh, we, we think about that and we think about it more than just from a, a national standpoint, but we think about it from a, a spiritual standpoint. And so as a church, we want to just target that this month and we were wanting to bring to remembrance all that God has done. Because, you know, if we're not careful, we'll just let this COVID and this election thing just hang over the whole year and we'll forget all the blessings and all of the good things that God has done the entire year of 2020. And so if you get an opportunity and you can do that, we're going to hashtag, you know, East Wind Gives, plural, thanks, plural. East Wind Gives, thanks. And when we think about our church and we think about uh, the miracles and the victories, and I, I think back and the other day I was just reminiscing with the, the staff about how much fun we had in those drive-in services. Didn't we have a great time in those drive-in services? I kind of miss those. We, we may want to go back and do those, you know, now that the weather's cool, you know. It was so much fun. And, and uh, I think back about uh, what all uh, happened at the first of the year with uh, some of the great strides that we made with uh, uh, our, our building program. And I was, uh, I was walking around the church here with the lady who was our coordinator for the seats that you're sitting in. And uh, she uh, wanted to come and take some pictures, you know, and she said, you know, with COVID and all that, we... We sort of lost track of getting a final picture of all the, the seats and all that. And I said, I hope you got a good Photoshop because you're going to have to Photoshop all these little white tags out, <laughs> out of the seats for your catalog, you know. But uh, she was talking about how beautiful it is. Of course, I was showing her around the foyers and all that. And she said, you know, it was amazing because she said the seats that you guys ordered, they came in and they came in on a, um, on a big... Uh, container more than one container but big container from china and it was right in march when the whole COVID thing and they um uh, they 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 grabbed the container and held it for a few days uh i think it was in jacksonville and then released it and we were able to get the seats uh, put in she said it was the last container that we were able to get to get the seats in she said we still have not gotten all she said the whole yard is full of all of these projects that have just been put on hold and here we are enjoy I mean this is just another miracle that just sort of it slides under the door and we forget about it and I said you know as it worked out we got the seats in and then you know we weren't able to be in our auditorium for uh, what was it six weeks but I said you know we were able to uh, you know finish our four years anyway I was just thinking back about all of the blessings uh, that that God has blessed us with I got a letter uh, yesterday from uh, Brother Bruce Howe, who is our uh, global missions director, and uh, he was thanking uh, our church for being eighth, uh, number eight in the nation and giving to global missions during COVID. And he said, the incredible thing about it is that your church gave 235000 We gave almost a quarter of a million dollars to global missions during COVID while renovating our own facility. 
and didn't go into debt to renovate our own church. I mean, just all of these blessings. And I said, Lord, I'm just going to call them all to remembrance. Hallelujah. Because if we're not careful in our human nature, we'll focus on the negative and we'll forget the positive. And so I, I've just in thinking back all of this, I was thinking about how God's given us such great revival in this church and the winds conference and, and all that is buzzing around the United Pentecostal church about the winds conference. We have people talking about this winds conference. I got people calling me up pastors, churches. They're all like, we, we we're already making plans for next year. We've heard it's the best. We heard it. I had one pastor call me the other day and said, we heard that it's better than because of the times. I said, well, I don't want to get competition. I'm just, we just want to exalt the Lord. And if people are blessed by it, that's why we're doing it. But that's another thing right in the middle. And then God to protect the entire church. We had all these people coming from all over the country and nobody got COVID. Isn't that amazing? Brother Kyle called me the other day, and he's like, oh, my goodness. He's like, can you send us some of those messages from, from Wynn's conference? Because he said, um, he said, we can't. He said, I've got COVID. My wife's got COVID. We had an outbreak in the church. We have 15 people had COVID and all that. He goes, I was at the Wynn's conference with all of those people from all different states. And he said, nobody got sick. I come home to West Palm and have a, one little service and get COVID. He said, that's ridiculous said, hey, when you're in the favor of God, you're in the favor of God. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, and then they're fine. I mean, just, you know, he's like, it's just like having a bad flu. You know, these guys are, these guys are young and healthy, and you know, like they can bounce back. They're fine. But uh, we, we understand that, that this is something that is serious. And until uh, there's some sort of a vaccination, we're going to have to all be careful. And we do that. And we're not going to try to tempt God and but I do think that it's important that we focus on all of the blessings as much or more of all of the other things. that Those reports that are negative, they spread really quick. That's why they sell so many national inquirers. You know what I'm saying? But this is the book of good news. <laughs> but our church has been in a great revival over the last seven to eight years, and um, it's been obvious to... Uh, a lot of, of people, certainly to us, that the favor of God is upon us. And, and so how do we uh, sort of analyze that? How do we unpack it? Because it's not necessarily that God loves us any more than anybody else. But there is, I believe, a formula for the favor of God. And uh, one man in our church said uh, to me recently, it's easy to see the favor of God is upon uh, you guys, but what some can see now many will know soon. And so I was just thanking the Lord for that. And I know when we talk about the favor of God, it, we talk about it and we understand it's probably synonymous with the term anointing. And the anointing we know breaks the yoke. We also know that we plant and water, but God gives the increase. So the increase comes from God. The favor comes from God. It's not man-made. So we do our part and we do the best that we can. And we do our part and this is critical. We do our part so that God can then do his part. So the favor of God is not just something that's arbitrarily bestowed upon human beings. The favor of God goes to those who have done their part to position themselves for the favor of God. 
It's not like there's some sort of spiritual lottery and the Lord says, you get favor and you get trouble and you get favor. There's, there's a way, and, and nobody on this planet is exempt from trouble. We recognize that. But I believe there are some biblical principles based on some individuals that we can study tonight that gives us an indication that we can do our part and position ourselves so that then he can do his part. Part um, of us doing our part is getting ourselves uh, in the right atmosphere for God to give the increase. We plant and we water, but God gives the increase. And every ministry um, of any church grows whenever we get aligned with him. Uh, church growth is just a natural byproduct of spiritual growth. And spiritual health or spiritual growth, it comes when we are flowing in the perfect will of God. The only way I know how to illustrate it is uh, experience that uh, comes to my mind. I may have even mentioned it uh, recently, but I just feel like it's a great uh, example of what we want to talk about tonight. Uh, three, four years ago, I don't remember the exact time, but we were vacationing with some friends of ours up in the uh, Charleston, uh, South Carolina area on the 4th of July. And um, we were wanting to get bikes and ride them on the beach. And the beach up there is very uh, wide and the, and, the, and the sand is pretty hard packed. And, and uh, it's kind of a nice area that there's not a lot of people and so forth. So we said, let's, let's get those big bikes. And they rented them, you know, it's got the big tires and the knobbies and all. And we'll ride them, you know, down the beach and it'll be great. And so we had the kids and our friends and we had a bunch. And we were all going down. So we did. And boy, we were just pedaling and we were just saying, this is so nice. It's so wonderful. It's so beautiful in the ocean and the sand and the weather was nice. It was kind of like toward the late afternoon, so it wasn't too hot, even though this was around July, the early part of July. But it was just really a, a pleasant climate, and we didn't really realize it. And this was where we went wrong. But we had a strong wind at our back. And it was almost effortless. We were just petting. It was almost like it was those electric bikes. And we just kept going because it was so little work, never dawning on us that we're going to have to go back. <laughs> we just kept riding, kept riding. It was just so pleasant, so enjoyable. And at some point, it was like, um, we got to turn around at some point and go back. As soon as we turned around, we knew we were in trouble. Because what seemed very, uh, we were, that we were like mildly aware of is when the wind was at our back. What became extremely obvious is when it was in our face. Once again, an example of how the negative can shout louder than the positive. And so we turned around and in the bike, we started going, whoa. And it was like, whoa. And the wind was like, whoa. And we started thinking about, can somebody come pick us up in a car? Is there a way to get off of this beach and get on a hard surface where the wind is not wide open over this ocean? We just need a street with a lot of trees lined up. And we kept trying to find places, but there were hotels and everything was private. And we were going around pools and trying to find a way to get to the main road. And I mean, it was an ordeal. We lost several children along the way. We had to go back and recollect and all. But I think the favor of God is like that. It, when we're flowing in the favor, it just seems like we're on cruise control. And sometimes it's easy to lose track that 
it's God that's doing it. It's not us. It's not our ability. It just is. And we've got to, we've got to take notice of it and recognize where our strength comes from. And uh, if we're not flowing in God's will, it seems like everything's a struggle. So the, the, the rhetorical question that I'll ask you, and this is kind of what we want to try to focus on tonight, is how do we, how do we live for God with that wind at our back? Uh, Jesus said that if we lifted him up, he would draw all men nigh. And I've told you about this, but I'll remind you, you know, a few years ago when I was trying to get the direction of our church for the new year, and the Lord just simply said, you know, just lift me up. That was the only thing I received from him, just lift me up. And uh, so that year, I don't remember, maybe three, four, five years ago, but that year we just focused on lifting up the Lord. We said, let's lift up God in everything we do. Every service, let's lift him up. Every social activity, every fellowship, every seminar, every session, whatever it is, Let's just lift up God in all that we do. And you know what we found? That was the year when we saw over 500 people filled with the Holy Ghost or baptized in Jesus' name. So God is true to his word. If you just lift him up, he draws all men nigh. And you know, we look around at this climate they we're in right now, and we think, boy, this is really going to get uncomfortable. Well, it needs to get uncomfortable because we need to get hungry for heaven. If we stay too comfortable in this world, we're not hungry for and so it, it may get really tough because God is wanting us to get uncomfortable so that we will seek him for his return. So we've got to realize this world's not our home and that we're, we're asking for the Lord to call. So in the environment that we're in where sometimes it's uncomfortable, also recognize that it is the greatest environment for evangelism. Do you know how many people are even in this area that are around here that have a background in Pentecost? I was talking to a lady today at a place of business up here in Palm Bay, and uh, she, uh, she said, I've seen you before. You know, always kids say, well, you maybe seen my picture in the post office. But uh, <laughs> meaning you're wanted by the FBI. It's a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's like, no. I was, and she said, are you a preacher? I said, yeah. I, I, what church, you know, I pastor? And I said, East Wind. She goes, oh, she said... I've heard so much about that church. She said, I've been wanting to go to that church. She said, I went online the other day and researched it all because, you know, before I go, I want to go on. That's what most people do. They want to look at it, you know, online and make sure, you know, you don't pull out snakes or bite heads off chickens or whatever. And so people want to check it out online, you know, before they come. Hide the boxes, everybody. That was for those of you by the Internet. But um, she said, I tried, to, I tried to check it all out online. And she said, I grew up in a church that was spirit-filled. And she said, I've gone to some of these other churches around here, but she goes, I miss being able to go into church where you can feel the Holy Ghost. Now, when she said Holy Ghost and not Holy Spirit, that triggered in my mind, she got some apostolic background. <laughs> she said, I, you must have come here for just for this witness. And I said, yeah, I did it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep up with you. Make sure you come. Her name is Donna. I said, when you come, this is the best church. The people are friendly. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. And uh, you'll feel right at home. And she doesn't live very far from here. And what's amazing to me is how there are so many people, even around in our community, that have a background that say, I want to feel the presence of God. People know things are wrapping up. And we're so blessed because people can feel God 
when they come to this church. And it's not because of us, it's because of God. God, His Spirit is like the wind. It blows wherever it lists it. We can't control it. But to understand that favor, let's look at two young men that had the favor of God upon their life. And I want to focus tonight on Joseph and Daniel. We read a little bit about Joseph. Let's look at Daniel also. If you've got your Bibles, we want to read a few verses in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, we'll start in verse 15. And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Isn't it awesome that the Bible describes these, these men being favored as saying that they were fairer and fatter? Thinking, God, you have blessed me so much. This year I am fairer and fatter than all the other children which did go to the gym. <laughs> which did eat the portion of the king's meat. That's five guys. Verse 16. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. I'm not sure what pulse is, but I don't think it's good. As for these four children, of course, you know, they're talking about Daniel and the three Hebrew children. God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, who we know is the king of Babylon, and the, and the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. All of the wise guys all the seers and soothsayers and all the people that were supposed to be able to have all the answers. These four Jewish young men with the favor of God in their lives were ten times better. And you know what I love about this, this uh, passage of Scripture? Is that the favor was obvious to a non-believer. A heathen king saw the distinction. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now, when we look at Daniel and Joseph, we see that these guys had a lot in common. One of the things that stands out is that they were both highly favored in the palace of a secular or foreign monarch. And I think that's important because I think, no... I don't think I know that God is raising up Joseph's and Daniel's that are going to stand the palaces in the courtrooms that are going to stand in places of high honor and they're going to have an anoint I feel it just talking about it they're going to have an anointing upon them and everybody is going to recognize there's something different about him 
there's something different about her. We can't put our finger on it, but there is something unique about that individual, and they're going to ask for their guidance and their wisdom. Several years ago, Pastor Joel Urshan and I started a foundation, and originally it was his vision. We were able to work together, but we started a foundation called um, the Heritage Foundation. Uh, no, that's not it. The Christian um, Leadership Foundation. No, that's not it. What is it? Is it Cert of Legacy? I'm so thankful my wife is younger than I am. I couldn't even think of the name of our own foundation. It's scary. Conservative Legacy Foundation. And when we started this foundation, the idea was that we wanted to prepare um, Joseph's and Daniel's. And so um, we got together and we, we put a board together of different uh, people and friends that we thought would have a similar interest in. And we started this, and our goal was just to provide scholarships uh, to apostolic young people that, that wanted to go into um, higher education for law and medicine and government and political science and so forth. And uh, we didn't even know, you know, Christian Pentecostal young people would be excited about it or they would, they would have a desire, but we felt like that God was one. Now, this has been some 20 years ago. We felt like that God wanted to raise up some Josephs and some Daniels. And uh, I'm happy to tell you that at this point, uh, and I know this foundation has kind of been phased down on its own. It's blended in with a couple of other foundations, but the purpose continues. But even while just Brother Ursh and I were doing it, we were able to help dozens of students from Pentecostal churches uh, that, that went to work in um, the State Department. Uh, some of them went to work in the White House. Uh, some are in Russia. Others are in think tanks in Washington, D.C. And they're all apostolic Pentecostal young people and that was just that's just the beginning ladies and gentlemen so don't be uh, fearful and fretting when you look around because you don't know what God is doing behind the scenes there were times when even the children of Israel were taken into captivity but just like we read the favor of God was still upon them even though they were in a hostile environment the favor of God was still upon them and when we think about how, how God is going to work in these last days, can I tell you that God is still working to be able to find a place where he can put his favor and his hand, and it will be undeniable that it is from the Lord. So ladies and gentlemen, we look around and we see a culture that's maligned with crisis and chaos. Be not weary. There are Daniels and Josephs that are already in place. I said they're already in place. And God is going to raise them up in these last days. You mark my words. But you don't get favor on your job. And you don't get favor in life unless first you get favor from God. It starts with favor from God. God will level the playing field. And he has favored people. He has favored you in ways that you may not even realize it right now. But the key is to get into the flow of his favor so uh, with a few moments I'm not going to be long tonight but let me just uh, give you a couple of things we I, I'm sure this is a much more exhaustive study but how do we get into the flow of his favor uh, in looking at Joseph and Daniel one of the things that I think is so important that they exemplified with their lives is commitment commitment is is critical 
I, I may have shared this again, but it just popped into my head. But let me repeat it, if you don't mind. Um, there, was a, there was a service at General Conference a couple of years ago where Brother Jerry Jones, who you know, he's preached here many times. In fact, he's coming next year to preach at our WINS conference. Uh, he was our general secretary treasurer for years. Of course, we know Brother Scott Graham's taking that, that role now, but uh, Brother Jones is teaching at, at Urshan College in St. Louis. He's a, just one of our finest preachers and just a prince of a man. Known him for years and just uh, enjoyed that relationship. We still talk on a, on a pretty regular basis. But I, uh, I was talking to Brother Jones. He was going to be preaching. He was re re retiring and from... Uh, working there in that position at headquarters. And, and there was a service, and it was kind of like a passing the mantle service at General Conference. And Brother Jones uh, preached, and he showed uh, historically where we've come from, where we're at now. And uh, he really speaking in a very anointed prophetic way. Um, I, I, I was sitting up toward the front with all of these young ministers. I don't know if you were there Brother Morgan, I think you were close by, but there was a whole bunch of young ministers, and I was in the middle of them because I think I'm a young minister. And these guys let me hang out with them, and I'm so thankful. We, we were pretty exhausted during a crusade in Bangladesh, and uh, my wife Amy was with me, and they, we, they, they have you praying just about all day long, and then, and then there's sessions and seminars all day long, and and then you go out to this field, and we, we got out there an hour and a half early to pray some more and walk the field. And of course, it's the blazing sun, and then we have a service with all these people getting healed and being Holy Ghost filled. Then we go back and, and we sleep on a, uh, on a mattress that's thinner than a piece of, uh, well, it's pretty much like a paper towel. <laughs> and, and then do it all over again the next day. And, and I mean, I, the, the incredible move of God is phenomenal. We were just running on the But there, I'm still dealing with my, this physical body, you know. And somewhere around the, the, the latter part of the second day, I told my wife, I just don't know if I can keep up with all these guys. You know, it's like Chris Green and Landon Gore and Charles Robinette. I see all these guys now, and I get exhausted just watching them preach. And I used to be the guy bouncing around. But now I'm just like, God bless them. At some point, I looked around, I said to my wife, I said, you know what just dawned on me? We had like 30, 35 people on our team in Bangladesh. I am the oldest guy on this team. No wonder I'm exhausted. And uh, we, we laughed about that. But um, when I was surrounded by all these young guys up there at that general conference service, Brother Jones made a statement about something about we, what was it, Brother Moore? We accept the challenge. And he was talking about the different challenges and all that, da, 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 and all the challenges of this generation. And then he made this declaration. It was almost like he was just speaking as an oracle of God. And he, and he said, we accept this challenge. And I'm telling you what, I was around all these young guys, you know, and Josh Heron, all these guys. And everybody, they, Victor Jackson, all of them, they literally, they came out over the top of their seats. Am I exaggerating? This is exactly they literally, it, 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 it was like we, we were storming. They came out over the top of their seats and came to the altar. And you, just the hair would stand up on the back of your neck. And they just, and there was such an energy on it. And I, I had never really been a part of anything like that. And it was obvious that there was something really powerful about this next generation. Part of what really sowed the seed of us wanting to do this wins conference. And later on, I was talking to Brother Jones about it. And I said to Brother Jones, I said, you know, Brother Jones, I've, 
been, been able to do some of these overseas crusades with this, this new generation of millennials and young ministers. And I said, they have got a faith and a boldness that I, I think is unmatched. And uh, I, I'm excited. I, I love being a part of it. And uh, I said, it's, it's something that I think um, that God is, has prepared them for this generation because they're going to face things that we didn't face. And so God will equip you for what you need, for what you're facing. And uh, he said, I agree with you. And he said, you know what else? He said, they were tested. And he said, a lot of their peers drifted away through this whole emergent church uh, deal where, you know, uh, even a lot of young ministers have kind of, you know, gone to this more convenient type of gospel, you know, and and it's a, it's sort of a, you know, one size fits all kind of a mega church mentality. And he said some of their peers have drifted away. But he said this, and this is what I'm trying to get to. But he said, the group that we saw last night are the ones that have made a commitment. And he said, when you make a commitment, what you do is you elevate your walk with God to a place where God can begin to favor you. I'm going to tell you something. You don't ever find that favor as long as you're just non-committed. Even you've seen it. Some of you have been around your church for a while. You, you can attest to this. But even when people come in and they get in church, when a person comes in and they just get in church with everything they've got, they jump in with both feet, immediately you start to see the favor of God. And others say, well, I agree with that, but not that. I'm going to do this. And we love everybody. We love everybody, whatever stage you're at. But the favor of God, it comes in buckets when people just say, hey, I am sold out. I've not found anything like this. This is the best thing I've ever had. And I'm committed to this. Whatever I got to do, preacher, I'm ready to do it. I'll commit myself. I'll pray. I'll witness. I'll be in the altar. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And folks, when a person gets committed there is favor that comes. That is undeniable. We see that with Joseph and, uh, and with Daniel. Joseph was determined he was going to serve God. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. By his brothers. He was from a dysfunctional family. Don't let the enemy try to talk you out of favor because you come from a dysfunctional family. The very first family on the earth was dysfunctional. Cain killed his brother, Abel. <laughs> That's pretty messed up. Everybody's got dysfunction in their family. You say, oh, oh no, pastor, not me. I have the best family in the world. Well, you dig around in there far enough, you'll find some stuff. You'll find someone in that family tree that you're related to that you wonder how could it be <laughs> grandma are you sure great uncle Ernie is in our family tree but you can't let any situation that you're a part of that you don't have control of to somehow talk you out of the favor and blessing of God Amen. Joseph didn't let his brother's jealousy define him I am a child of God. He had that vision. He had that dream when he was a boy, and he did not back away. Even though circumstances didn't confirm it, even though his family got upset with him over it, 
when God's hand is upon you, you are going to have the envy and jealousy of friends and family members. So you're going to have to make up in your mind if you want the favor of God at all costs. Because when the favor of God is upon you, it also makes you a target. And that's why Paul said, even so do we speak, not as pleasing men, but pleasing God, which trieth our heart. you got to make up in your mind, do you want to be popular with people or do you want to be popular with God? I don't know about you, but I want God. I want to please God. I want my life to reflect the will of God and the favor of God and the pleasure of God. Because if God's hand is upon me, everything else will flow down from that. Put the kingdom of God first. And so Joseph, he, he had to know who he was. He sold into slavery by his brother's jealousy. He goes to Egypt, becomes a slave. Here's one of the things, though, that you'll see about Joseph, and this was key. No matter what position he was in, he was successful at it. You know why? Because he committed to it. He didn't say, well, I'm just waiting here until finally, you know, the Lord's going to make me a king. I don't know how and where he's going to do it, but. I'm going to just sit here and bide my time until the door opens. That's not what Joseph did. They sold him into slavery. Guess what? He decided he was going to be the best slave Potiphar. See, the favor of God was still there. He sold into slavery, but he sold into slavery to the guy who's the captain of the guard of the Egyptian army. And there he is. And he rises up to the top to where. Potiphar, who's the, the captain of the armed forces, he has Joseph in charge of the whole household. He's risen up to the top. The same, the same thing with the three Hebrew children and Daniel. They're in an adverse environment. They go to the top because they're committed. They don't say, well, you know, we're over here in Babylon now. And this is not Jerusalem, so I'm not going to work hard on it. No, no matter where you're at. I'm going to give it the best that I can. I'm going to be committed to it. I'm going to be the best. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to work hard. This is not the job that I know is going to be the rest of my life. But right now, I'm here. I'm going to be the best employee they got. If you want to position yourself for the favor of God, you've got to do it with your own effort. When you position yourself, you're saying, God, I'm going to do my best so that I'm deserving of your best. If we do something half-hearted, then how can we expect God's anointing to be upon us? Be a people that are committed to excellence. And so Joseph said, I'm going to be the best slave. He was committed to his work. And then when he was lied on by his boss's wife and he refused her advances, they threw him in prison. And then he becomes the best prisoner they've ever had down there in the dungeon. He could have just been mad bitter the rest of his life. He had a lot of things to be bitter about. He was lied on, cheated. He was sold into slavery by his brother. He's in a prison. But he said, I'm going to be the best prisoner I can be. He was committed to whatever he was doing. And then he had, even his prison buddies betrayed him. He said, no, I interpret these dreams now. When you, one of you gets called back up into the palace there, the butler, I want to make sure you're aware of the fact that, you know, I'm here. And if there's ever a need for a, an interpreter of dreams, you know. Just remember I'm here. And, yeah, yeah, we'll remember you, Joe. We, will. we love you, man. As soon as they got up there, they forgot about him. He had started out being the best son he could be. Then he tried to be the best brother he could be. And it wasn't anything new for him now to be the best slave or the best servant that he could be. And when he was finally brought before Pharaoh, 
And God favored him at the right time and the right place. See, that's how God works. You just say, I'm going to do the best I can do with what I've got in front of me. And there's coming a time, the right time and the right place. He became the very best employee of Pharaoh that he could be. I'm going to be the very best governor of Egypt. Now, he would have never been able to do all of that except that he already had all the practice of being committed to the assignments that he was given. You may have an assignment right now that's not your favorite assignment, but if you'll be the best you can be at it, it'll open up another door. Now, Joseph is used to preserve the then-known world from a massive famine that was coming. The dream that the Pharaoh had that brought Joseph out of prison was of seven fat cows that was grazing on the banks of the Nile River. Now, and here's what the Bible says. You can read this. It says that the, the fat cows were highly favored. There it is again. The fat cows were highly favored. And I thought, I'm starting to see a pattern here. They, they, they told me when we were over there in, uh, in Uganda, uh, they said, we look around and we see a, a man that's kind of fat. They said, we look around to see where his car is. Because <laughs> that's the only way he got that way. He had, he at some point, he was able to quit walking. Everybody else is on foot. And they're lean and mean. But if we see a fat cat, He's got himself a car or a scooter or something. He looked at me and wanted to know how many cars I had. <laughs> but before we get too comfortable with this, it said the seven skinny cows come up out of the Nile River and ate the fat ones. Skinny cows winning again. So this is the dream, you know, that, that uh, Pharaoh had. Of course, Joseph interpreted the dream. And said, here's what it means. You're going to have seven years of plenty. Then after that, you're going to have seven years of famine. And uh, you need to prepare for it. While you're having seven years of plenty, prepare for it. You're going to have these seven good years and then seven bad years. We're going to store up grain while things are flourishing. Because when it goes bad, nobody will have food. But Egypt can because you know it's coming. Now, Joseph did not tell Pharaoh this because he was a modest guy. But I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Those seven cows that were fat, that represented seven good years, the Bible says that those years were favored. That was referring to Joseph. Joseph was the one that was favored. And because they put him in charge, the favor that was upon him came upon Egypt. If he's thrown back into prison, the favor would have dried up. The favor came upon Egypt because the favor was on Joseph. And this, this is not a new concept. It may have been new to Egypt. Uh, at the time, but it wasn't new to the Jews. If you go all the way back and you read Genesis chapter 30 and verse 27, it says, and Laban, you remember who Laban was, right? Uncle to Jacob, and Jacob married his two daughters, Rachel and Leah. And Laban said unto him, referring to Jacob, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, 
For I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. He learned where his favor was coming from. God told Abraham, I will bless the nations that are good to you and curse the nations that are not. America has been blessed because, among other things, we have blessed Israel. But we're starting to flirt with the idea of turning from that unconditional support. And you watch and see how the favor of a country will start to lift when they move away from Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, the favor of God is not contained in a silo. It spills over. And if you're committed to God, the favor of God will not just be confined to you. It will spill over onto your family. That's why David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or its seed begging bread. Solomon was blessed because of David. David was a man after God's own heart. David experienced the favor of God. And guess what? It bled out and over into the nation of Israel and to his own son. And if you are struggling, get with God's people and favor will return. Don't let the enemy talk you out of going to church and say, well, I just, I'm going to stay out of church for a little while because i got to work on my own problem. No, no, no. You need to stay connected and you need to stay involved with the people of God because the favor of God that's upon the church of God will spill over into you and your life and your situation. That's why you want to bless the people of God. Don't run down the people of God. Don't criticize the people of God. Protect the flock. That's why David had favor. He was a protector of the flock. When you protect the body of Christ, you have aligned yourself with the will of God. So the favor of God is upon you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you'll bless the people of God and if you'll bless the house of God, favor will return to you. It'll return to your home, your marriage, your finances. Because when you're committed, you have positioned yourself for the favor of God. Daniel, the Bible says about Daniel that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Let's read a few verses. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He was committed to his faith. He would not eat the meat nor drink the wine of the king's house. It was against his faith. It was against the Old Testament law. And look at what the very next verse says, verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor. Do you see where favor follows commitment? Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. That was his immediate supervisor. When he committed himself to God, God gave him favor with his boss. See, even the folks that are in the world are impressed with someone that's committed to their faith. You don't ever have to back up from that. We had a man here in the church, they would start to tell him that he was going to have to, uh, he was going to, have to work every other Sunday. And uh, he said, well, I can't do that, you know, I go to church every Sunday. And they said, well, you're going to have to, we're going to have to we're going to do a big demotion, it was going to cut his, cut his pay in half. And uh, so he went home, talked to his wife, and they prayed about it, and they made up their mind that, 
they were going to stand for what they believed in. And that is, we're going to be in church on Sunday. So he went back and told his boss, he said, I know you said, you know, my, our pay is going to cut and that's going to put a, uh, a great hardship on, on my family and I, but um, we can't give up um, being in church. I'm not going to be able to work on Sundays. And the boss said, okay, well, just so you know, you know, you're going you're gonna to lose your position. You're going to lose your, your increase in pay. And he said, I, I'm, I'm prepared for that. The very next morning, his boss called him up and said, you know what? We have changed our mind. We admire you for your faith and your commitment. And just as you're committed to your church, you're committed to this place of employment, you can keep your salary and keep your position and not have to work on Sunday. Folks, don't give up principle for prosperity. Don't give up principle for prosperity. If you'll stay committed to the faith, these other things will flow. The favor of God will become obvious. The Bible said that that when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, that God gave them favor with the Egyptian people, and they all gave them their wealth, their cattle, and their jewels. As the Jews were on their way out of town, God can put on somebody's heart to bless you that's not even a believer. And they just love you, and they want to bless you, just like this this, uh, prince of the eunuchs. And you can't figure out why, and they can't figure out why. I don't know why I'm doing this. The Lord just told me I need to give this to you. I just need to give this to you. I remember a few weeks ago, um, I got a text from Brother Jason Keir. I don't know if you guys remember Brother Jason Keir, but uh, years ago, him and his wife, and and, uh, it was just him and his wife at first when they were coming here. They were working for Tupelo Children's Mansion. And uh, they were going around churches, and they were uh, singing, preaching. He's a great singer, and uh, and uh, him and his wife, we just fell in love with him. We we uh, were with him a lot, and they uh, ended up uh, working for Tupelo Children's Mansion, going around and so forth. And and at one point, we even talked with them about possibly uh, being here with us on staff and all. But they had a desire to keep traveling and and to uh, keep evangelizing. They were working for Tupelo Children's Mansion, and one day, just out of nowhere. Jimmy Chapman gave them his new truck. I mean, a nice big truck. It had like wheels that went out in the back and all this. And, and uh, Jimmy said, I, I, just, I just feel like I need to give the cures that truck. And I said, you know, are you sure? You feel good about it? He goes, yeah, I, I know it was from the Lord. And uh, I said, okay, well, if you feel to do it, you should do it. So they just couldn't believe it. They were just blown away. And of course, if you know Jimmy, he's so big hearted. That's why I believe God's going to bring him through this cancer thing. I've seen him help too many people over the years. And, uh, and he, gave, he gave it to them. And, uh, and, and, and Jason tried to talk him out of it. He said, now, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to use a truck this big. I don't know if we're going to have a trailer. I, don't, I may sell it. You know, you got a problem if I sell it in six months? And, no, he goes, once I give it to you, it's yours. You can do whatever you want to with it. You can grow vegetables out of the, out of the, the bed of the truck if you want to. I'm just doing what God told me to do. And so he said, okay. So we did it and got all the title transferred over. And that's been, oh my goodness, that's been, what, seven, eight years ago, Brother Richie? And uh, he texted, he texted Brother Jimmy and I the other day, and he said, he had a picture of that truck. And he said, I just wanted you to know that uh, that truck that you gave me made me a millionaire. He said, it now has over 300,000 miles on it. 
And he said, God's blessed me. They end up up in Ohio somewhere. And he, God blessed him with the building and, and so forth. And he used that truck and he was able to, uh, to do very well. And the favor of God was upon him. And they've, they've been tremendously blessed. And he said, we got ready to sell it. And he said, my wife said to me, that truck was given to you. Don't sell it. You give it to someone else. So he said, I just want you to know we have given the truck away. <laughs> oh, my friend, this is the way to live life. You don't know what God, if you just be committed to biblical principles, God will put people in your life that will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. I've told you about this, but when we built this church, uh, the man who loaned the money to us, uh, I was a student in law school. And uh, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loan this $2 million uh, to First Pentecostal Church and uh, give you guys the money to buy the, the land and build that building. And he said, everybody in the bank has told me I'm crazy. None of it makes sense on paper. But he said, I'm doing this because I believe in you. In me? I don't have two million dollars to pay back. And we didn't know, you know, you've heard the story. We didn't know month to month how we were going to make our mortgage payments. But God put it on that man's heart to be able to loan us the money, even though everybody in the bank said it was a great, a very risky move. But in the end, he ended up being a hero and being promoted. Because God blessed this church and we paid it all off in six and a half years. And he got promoted to the president of the bank. Because he took a chance on a small congregation called the First Pentecostal Church. Amen. Mm. I could tell you stories all night long. I know you're not interested in being here all night. But just understand this. And let me just try to wrap this up. And i got to give you one more thing then we'll close. Favor comes as a byproduct of commitment because the Lord honors your effort with his blessing. I'll say that again so you get it. Favor comes as a byproduct of commitment because the Lord honors your effort with his blessing. We have to do our part first. Our church has been very blessed and highly favored and Bible quizzing over the years, and people are always asking about our Bible quiz program. But the, the favor in, in that particular ministry didn't come upon our church just because he likes us more. God likes us more than all the other thousands of young people and quizzers and churches. It's not that. The favor follows the commitment. We have to do our part first. And so... You know, and I, I was telling the junior Bible quizzers this when they were out in Missouri, you know, a few years ago, quizzing for the national championship. I said, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God. And I said, you guys have worked hard. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I've quoted you day in and day out. Now, God is going to favor you because you've done your part. Amen. It had been a tough year. But in that tournament, the right place and the right time. They had studied, 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 gone through all kind of adversity, but they worked and worked, and they were just young kids, but they worked so hard. And I said, now God's going to favor. They told me afterwards, Gregory told me, he said, Dad, it was like we could not miss. Nobody could figure out how they were answering the questions they were answering. And I said, here's what I want you to learn at a young age, son. 
That's the favor of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost talking about it. That's the favor of God. Don't ever take credit or glory in that. Just always be thankful. Because God's just giving you a little taste of it. But it's not just confined to this ministry. He will bless you all of your life if you recognize He favors hard work. He favors commitment. He favors effort. And when you study, you show yourself approved unto God. And God takes what you put in His hands with your effort. And He multiplies it. And it's undeniable. All right, here's the second one. Courage. You will be, you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find guys that were as courageous as Joseph and Daniel. When they had an arrest warrant out for Daniel, he opened his window toward Jerusalem and prayed three times a day. The Bible says, as he had done aforetime. That was not something new to him. When Daniel stood before Belshazzar in Daniel chapter 5 and he told the king, who was a wicked king, Brother uh, Gidrose talked about that Sunday night and that uh, handwriting came on the wall there, meaning, meaning, tingle, you farce, and being interpreted, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. King said to Daniel, thank you for that interpretation. We want to give you a royal robe and put a finger, put a ring on your finger and give you this great wreath. Show our thanksgiving for you interpreting this dream. Daniel says, you can keep it. This night, your kingdom will be taken from you. Why take the award of a fallen kingdom? Why sell eternal salvation for some trinket of the enemy? You can keep it. Your kingdom's going to be taken away from you this night. Now that takes some courage because it had not been taken at that point. But Daniel was right. That night the Medes and the Persians joined forces and they took over the Babylonian Empire. We now know as Iraq. But here's what you got to understand. Even when the new king came in, Cyrus, they honored Daniel. <laughs> because the favor of God was on Daniel, it wasn't even confined to one empire. Because God's empire is bigger than man's empire. And you don't get the favor of God by playing it safe. You get the favor of God when you're courageous enough to step out in faith. The three Hebrew children were the same way. Joseph was the same way. They're people that were highly favored of God because they lived courageous lives. There's something about courage that God honors. He honored David for stepping out against Goliath. He honored Peter for stepping out of the boat. And he'll honor you and I today for stepping out in faith. You say, I need the favor of God in my life. If you need the favor of God in your life, you need a healing in your body, get the courage to commit. If you need to repent, give your heart to God, give the courage, get that courage to say, I'm not going to worry about what all my friends are going to say about it. I'm just going to make up in my mind, Lord, I am going to commit to the principles of your word. You may even have adversity in your family. And sometimes serving God takes a tremendous amount of courage. Can I tell you that God will honor your courage with favor, commitment and courage. You say, I need the favor of God on my home. I need it on my marriage. And you got to have the courage to take a stand for righteousness. Even when your spouse or your kids may not agree with it. 
Be courageous. Take a stand. Commit yourself. Make a commitment. Be courageous. Favor is waiting on you. Would you stand to your feet? I believe with all my heart that God, who is a giving God, looks for places and people and situations where he can bestow favor. Satan goes about his roaring line to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. But your heavenly Father expands the universe looking for places that he can bless, he can favor. I want to say, Lord, here we are. <laughs> We're here, God. We'll always give you the praise for it. We'll recognize that you're the blesser. But until that happens, we're going to be committed and we're going to be courageous. Would you lift your hands right now? Would you make that commitment? Lord, we commit ourselves unto you. Mm, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. We commit to stand for righteousness. We commit, Lord, to give everything to you, to put it all on the altar. To say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm asking you, Lord, to give us courage right now to take a step of faith and to say, Lord, we will commit to your word. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Let the favor of God rest upon this church. Let the favor of God rest upon the families of this body of believers. I'm asking you, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, that the favor of God that would become obvious to whosoever would look upon it would see that you are a real God, that you are a God that blesses. You're not a, a God made out of stone. You have hands to heal. You have ears to hear. You are as close as the very mention of your name. And so we exalt you, Lord, and we lift you up. We glorify you. What a great God you are. I want to open up this altar. I just feel led to do this. I know we don't always have an altar call on Wednesday night, but I just feel led to open up this altar and to say if you want the favor of God and you just want to make a visible demonstration by stepping toward that favor and say, Lord, I'm going to just come down here and make a commitment to you. Maybe there's been some things you've been sort of wrestling with or struggling with, but tonight you feel like God has given you the courage to put it on the altar and say, Lord, I'm going to believe you for the impossible. If you got to go, God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Oh, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs>